0: Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Whenever I feel down, I remind myself that I was a G.I. Joe. What is G.I. Joe? Well, it's a code name for America's daring, highly trained special mission force. What does that mean here in the real world? It means joint operations. And no, that's not a weed reference. It's a combined force of Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and even the Coast Guard, which were still Department of Defense when I was in the Navy. Joint operations. And I participated in many joint operations in my time in the Navy. Granted, I wasn't snake eyes, but I was the Joe in the background saying, sorry, General Hawk. But if the PowerPoint presentation is too big, some computers may not have enough memory to run the program. No, I don't know why Lady J has more RAM than you. Yes, I know that you're a general, and you should have more RAM than lower-ranking people. Yo, Joe! Anyway, welcome to G.I. Joe. Welcome, G- welcome, G- welcome to Shock Bucky Radio. I'm your host, The Madman. We're keeping you on your toes this month. You know, we're starting early, starting late. You know, we just want to make sure that you're uh, hanging around. Just want to make sure that you uh, you get, you click that little bell for the notifications when we actually go live. I'm just kidding. You know, sometimes the schedule gets, gets wonky. It happens. It happens. Okay. I want to remind you that if you can read, I have books available on Amazon for digital download. Search for the author Scott L. Robbins with two T's and two B's. I got the three Exit 13 books. I got the Ravings of a Madman and The Bunny Years, a memoir about a superhero. So go download those, buy those, they're pretty cheap. The exit thirteens are 99 cents each. And the other ones are four ninety four ninety nine each. Real cheap. I also have a Patreon. Go over to Patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. I would appreciate it. The prices are lower than they've ever been. Uh, you know, because it took like forty dollars to fill my little gas tank today. So if you have cash app, you can use the cash tag shockmonkeyradio. Radio. Send me money that way so I can get a so I can get uh so I can afford gas to get to the studio, you know. Madman needs his medicine, all right? So uh, support me if you can, I would appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, um, so did you hear about Kanye West and Pete Davidson? Just kidding, I'm not gonna talk about that nonsense because I'm an adult and this isn't high school. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, verse 19. <clears throat> and out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, and every fowl of the air to Adam and to see what he would call them and whatsoever. Adam called every living creature that was the name thereof. So that's kind of interesting, right? Uh, Adam walked around the earth giving names to every single animal, looking underneath them all and saying, you are named Tim, you are named Michelle, you in the tree, you are Robin Tooney, and Robin Williams. You two hopping near the river, you're Kermit and Robin. Wait, that might be confusing. Kermit and Hypnotoad. Yeah, that's better. I mean, the Bible doesn't uh, specify that Adam named them as species. Frogs, birds, cats, dogs, etc. I'm in the letter kenny camp in regards to naming animals. If you don't name every single animal, you're just leaving fun on the table. So the question is, When Adam ran across his first frog, he named that frog, Frog, like it was a proper noun, and it stuck. So maybe Adam was confused about it. Plus, the Bible doesn't say that God told Adam to name the animals. Adam seems to have done that of his own accord. Uh, also Also, the text uses the past tense, Adam named the animals. But the problem is that we're not done naming the animals. A new species of monkey was discovered called Papa Langor, Trachypithecus popa. And I've decided to name the first one we found as Edgar. But really, that's not up to me. I'm not Adam or the person who found it first. So we're not done naming all the animals. So the Bible should not have used the past tense. And so when Adam named the ladybug, yet named it Stephen... He must've just got done licking toads or something. And speaking of licking toads to trip balls, did Adam lick every single species he named just in case? Also, the Bible says that God brought all the species to Adam to be named, but let's be honest, Adam probably had to go to the water to name the fish. Honestly, even God knows it'd be easier to get Adam to the shore than to bring the fish to Adam. The Bible's not always literal is what I'm saying. Alright, so I'm going to continue talking about animals. Uh, I was scrolling through Facebook, and I saw a video. An unsolicited ad for some website I never heard of, mind you. But it was labeled something like, Cats are assholes, or something similar. "Effing ing I said aloud when reading the title, and then I scrolled on by because I already know what's in that video. It's a bunch of cats knocking stuff over, or batting and scratching babies, or something. So I think it's obvious that cats are assholes, and if you have a cat, You tolerate assholes, which means you're kind of an asshole for tolerating the cat. Don't get me wrong. I had some cats, but it wasn't my call to get them. One cat named Boots loved me and would frequently jump up in my lap and purr and I'd pet it. I am not immune to the charms of cats, but just like every other cat in the world, it would climb up on my keyboard to try to knock the video game control out of my hand. At Christmas, he knocked down the Christmas tree. If something was on a shelf that he could reach, he would find a way to knock it down. He also liked flipping on and off light switches, which is kind of oppressive, but he also did it at night, which woke people up. My sister had a cat that would whine every single morning, meowing very loud at 6 a.m. to be fed. I wanted to kill that cat with my bare hands. I was never so happy as when that cat died. It died of natural causes now. I'm not a killer, or I'm cruel to animals, but I sure as hell considered being such when that cat was alive. Cats move quietly, so they would frequently surprise people by jumping up on the couch or whatever out of nowhere. They are assholes, no doubt about it. And everyone knows that fact. And the most interesting aspects of that are the fact that people who call themselves cat people, even cat people, know cats are jerks. But what's funny is that they tolerate cats, but such people are often intolerant of people who are being, who are, uh, who are being less assholy than cats. The, those social justice warriors, those Karens, those people who constantly want to complain about people like me being a jerk will often have at least one cat at home. I wonder what they would do if I came and shit in their litter box. Or could I be like a cat? And think that the litter box is not clean enough for me and shit wherever I want to in the house like cats do. Think about that. Cats are the only creatures we allow to shit in our houses, piss on our carpets, or barf at a strategic point where you're guaranteed to step in it. For some reason, this is, the, this is only tolerated from cats. Anything else, like a dog. Dog does the same thing and you operate them, rub their noses in, them, in it, spray them with a spray bottle. Ooh-wee! what up with that what up with that and for some reason we put up with this from cats you know they cats you know they sometimes kill pests you know i guess that's why we put up with it they sometimes kill pests but you know but they torture the pests as well have you ever seen a cat play with a cricket they caught tearing off legs to immobilize it just to torture it cats are vicious killers now dogs can kill too, but dogs don't torture the way that cats do. They're like little furry sociopaths, which explains why Dennis Reynolds from Always Sunny in Philadelphia hates dogs but loves cats. Ooh, what up with that? What up with that? All right, you want to continue talking about animals or should we talk about Always Sunny first? Let's continue talking about animals. <coughs> Uh, so um, I was uh, looking at the uh, uh, the Daily Wire shop, and uh, uh, for Matt Walsh, they have this uh, like T-shirt that's called the Existential Panda T-shirt, and it has a panda sitting there going, "Should I exist?" <laughs> and I think it's hilarious because it's something that Matt Walsh has talked about frequently on on um, his podcast. Matt Walsh talks talks about pandas and how pandas, you know, they're they're endangered because you know. Uh, we've been trying to get them to breed for years and years and years and they're endangered and stuff like that. But the pandas don't want to breed. All right. They don't want to, we've gone as far humans have gone as far. I mean, not me. I wouldn't do this. I've have, have gone as far as to like show panda porn to pandas to kind of get them in the mood to have sex, to procreate. All right. Uh, but pandas don't, aren't really into it. You know, we, we humans are trying so hard to get these cute and cuddly pandas to procreate when they obviously don't want to, all right. Now I, I'm I'm in the Matt Walsh camp in that regard. It's like if they don't want to, if they don't want to breed, you know, uh, what, what what can we do about it? Short short of showing the porn, <laughs> you know. It's like I I really don't understand this need to save endangered species because, you know, uh. You know, like ninety percent of the species that ever existed are already extinct. They're already gone. And it was like everyone was like, "Save the dinosaurs!" You know, you know, it's a natural thing. You know, all these people are also like big proponents of evolution and stuff like that. Evolution is real. It's like absolutely, evolution could be real, all right. But evolution means that some species fall to the wayside, like Cro Magnon man, like Neanderthals, all right. That's the nature of evolution. It's like some creatures just Go away. They decide they don't want to have sex anymore. And that's perfectly natural. That's perfectly natural. But we humans, we think we need to intervene and stop those cute and cuddly pandas. And that's the whole point, is that we think that pandas are cute, but they're really vicious. They're bears, for God's sakes. They're bears. But because humans think that they're cute, we think we need to intervene. All right? Not Not to mention like all these species that thrive because of us like cows pigs chicken chickens <laughs> chickens dogs and cats all thrive because of us not to mention the way we've messed with the way that cats uh, the ev- natural evolution of cats and dogs all right dogs didn't start out as dogs dogs were wolves now they're just little tiny things that fit in your purse and you know, poop on your purse anyway so I'm done talking about animals uh, <laughs> We started a little late today, so I might have to, you know, speed through this. I don't mind. I don't mind. So for this last thing before we get into the news, I want to talk about my top five uh, favorite Always Sunny in Philadelphia episodes. And, yes, I'm watching it again because it's brilliant. It's a brilliant comedy uh, in the sense that, you know, it's like uh, – uh, these are the most horrible people you've ever seen in your life. And so it's a brilliant comedy in that regard because you could do almost anything with those kind of characters. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through my top five favorite Always Sunny in Philadelphia episodes. Number five, season nine, episode three, The Gang Tries Desperately to Win an Award. Now, um, this this episode is uh, my favorite. one of my favorites, makes the top five. Because it's, it's meta in the fact that, you know, Always Sunny is a brilliant show, and should it deserves awards, plenty of awards, for being a brilliant show. Uh, but it's meta in the sense that, you know, the gang really does want to win an award. But, you know, in the bar, that means they want, you know, an award for their bar. And so, uh, I guess, like, the uh, you know, there's a couple plots. You know, there's always an A plot and a B plot. And the uh, I think the A plot is the gang's trying, you know, some, some of the gang are trying to uh, uh, make their bar into one of those successful, like, friends kind of (laughs) bars (laughs) in the sense that, you know, it's that, it's that same formulaic nonsense that you find all over television and stuff like that. And it's, um, and, and that's not what always sunny is. That's not the nature. That's not who they are. It's not, you know, you can't overexpose the light, (laughs) you know, make the lights real bright on them and stuff like that you know and the reason why it makes this list is because of charlie charlie of course is a genius and he probably would have been a a very normal and well adjusted person if he had not made friends with these people yeah uh, and so um there's a scene where uh where uh, charlie wants to write write a song and this is this is why it makes this list because it's one of my favorite parts of points in any point in in the series uh he writes a song is uh in a, like a Randy Newman Typing, thing. They say, the world's your oyster. Oh, but oyster's not for me. You may be the belle of the ball, but you ain't my cup of tea. You know, it's just, he writes this song when he's sober-ish, and uh, uh the gang's, like, locks him, locks him downstairs or something like that because they don't want him doing the song because you know, they're jerks. Those <laughs> people are jerks. And so Charlie goes down there and huffs paint for a while, and then he comes up He crawls out of the basement at the, like, at the high, at the, uh, what they call that, the the climax of the episode when all the people are in the bar and they're trying to win an award. And and the gang is losing the people because they're jerks and they don't understand why, you know, why don't they like us? And so Charlie comes out, got spray paint all over his face because he's been huffing paint all day. And he comes and he sings this song. (laughs) and I'm just going to quote the lyrics off the top of my head. There is a Spider. Spider. Spider is deep in my soul, So, so he's lived there for years, 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 he just went let go, he's crawling around, he's got a mean bite, but now he's ready to fight. And stand up for what he knows, I don't need your trophies or your gold, I just want to tell you all to go fuck yourselves and it's one of my favorite moments because it sums up everything everything i feel about my creative endeavors and stuff like that it's like you know i really don't want the trophies or your goals i just want or your gold i just want to tell you all to go fuck yourselves (laughs) it's just i think that that's the artistic integrity of the gang and i think that that's i think that's what makes for good art okay <laughs> it's like my art is about telling you to go f yourself <laughs> it's not about winning anything it's not about getting rich doing it you know it w- would be nice you know you, that's kind of like the last line It's like it would have been would have been nice to win an award last line of the episode but at the same time you, they don't want to compromise their artistic integrity anyway number four favorite always sunny in philadelphia episode Mac and Charlie die. That's episode uh, season four, episodes five and six. It's two-parter, but the first one's the one I'm referring to. And this is where um, Mac and Charlie, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Mac's dad gets paroled for prison. And so Mac and Charlie get scared because they think that uh, Mac's dad's going to come kill them because he, they didn't smuggle heroin in their butts. <laughs> We're going to come with our butts so filled for you. <laughs> didn't smuggle heroin in their butts to, to him in prison. And so they f- try to fake their deaths. All right, and so why this makes the list is the the scene uh, and and the resultant uh, aftermath of Mac driving the car into a wall in order to fake their deaths. He thinks he's going to jump out at the last minute, but instead, Mac crashes into the wall, smashes his head, and gets a concussion. And what's excellent about the writing is that that is very accurate to the way people react when they get a concussion because (laughs) he's, like, bleeding from the ears and everything like that. And so they go to a pawn shop trying to find everything that they're uh, trying to find a way to set this car on fire, make, you know, to blow up the car. And Mac runs, you know, and Charlie mentions, "Is like, I tell you something, and then you forget it five seconds afterwards. And that's, yeah, that's, that's a concussion right there. <laughs> and then Mac passes this wedding dress that's in the. Pawn shop, and he will not let it go. He's like, Oh, that's so sad. There's a wedding dress in the pawn shop, and Mac won't shut up about the wedding dress, which speaks volume to his character that you find out late in later seasons. And he's sitting there talking about the wedding dress. He's like, Okay, we'll get the gun and the wedding dress. It's like, Why? Why are we gonna get Charlie's like, Why are we gonna get the wedding dress? Has nothing to do with what we're trying to do here. And then later, Mac's wearing the wedding dress, and they're doing poppers to get his head straight and stuff like that. They're you know, their brains are all kinds of messed up. And so I, I think that's hilarious. It's like Matt's reaction. It was like, "I feel like a million dollars. I feel like one million dollars. <laughs> anyway, number three top uh favorite uh all a sunny episode is season four, episode 13: "The Night Man Cometh." Now, uh, if you haven't seen this one, I really don't know what to tell you uh it's just it's the most brilliantly weird play i've ever seen and i wish i could get a group of people to rent a theater so we could put on this play ourselves you know ek knows a guy we just need the actors actors. and we need a piano player because it's a musical because it's written by charlie and it's excellent it's excellently weird you gotta pay the troll toll if you want to get into this boy's hole i said soul what do you think i said okay (laughs) <laughs> so I, you need to see that episode for, for, for you to understand. All right, the number two favorite Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode is Season 9, Episode 2, Gun Fever 2. Now, the Gun Fever, the first one, was okay. But Gun Fever 2, still hot, was hilarious because the, one of the plots, because when they do these Gun Fever episodes where they're talking about like the gun control issue, uh, you know, they always break off into like two, two different alliances, you know, two go this way. It's like, we need to get on, guns off the street. And it's like, we need to get more guns on the street. And this is how they explore these, you know, so, uh, hot button social topics and stuff like that. But when Dennis and D, <coughs> they try to prove how easy it is a, to get a gun. They go to this gun Through guns, this gun store and it was like yeah we want to buy a man killer we want to we want to buy the the most deadly gun you got and it was like ka, 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 ka. oh i'm safe oh i protected everybody and stuff like that they're being real sarc- sarcastic dicks and so when they go to like to give their license for a background check for the firearms they both get rejected because De- Dennis has a history of felonious assault of felonious behavior he gets rejected and then he uh and d uh says she was institutionalized because she tried to set her roommate on fire in college. And so, <laughs> and so they don't get it cleared for the background check and therefore can't buy a gun. And what proves how like gun laws actually do work. All right. And then they go to a gun show thinking they're going to get into a gun show loophole loophole. But you know the fact is that gun shows are for private sellers and stuff like that, and so they could buy the gun, the uh, the AR-15 style weapon that they were interested in Gunther's for fifteen hundred, and so they go to this guy, this private seller at a gun show, and they're like, hey, you know, uh, we want to buy this gun for fifteen hundred. They're like, no, no, he's like, no, three grand. And he's like, you can't do that. It's you know, it's fifteen hundred over Gunther's. He's like, this isn't Gunther's. I'm a private seller. I can set the prices. America. And so he's like, oh, I'll tell you what. I'll just take this gun and take it from you. And like points the gun at him. And then everyone in the gun show pulls their weapons and points (laughs) it. Brilliant, brilliant example of why you need more guns on the streets. Because that is what happens. That is what happens when you try to be crazy, crazy sociopaths like Dennis and D. All right. And then finally, they try to buy an illegal gun and the guy just robs him. (laughs) because <laughs> he knows they don't have a gun, and he has the gun. <laughs> and anyway, that's why I love that episode, is because it's a very accurate representation of gun, sh- of gun problems. The B-plot is Mac and Charlie trying to, like, uh, like uh, defend a school or something like that. It's not that great. Anyway, and my number one favorite of all time, Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode is Season 10, Episode 1, The Gang Beats Boggs. Now, that episode is simply about beer and baseball, and it's 100% hilarious. And uh, the, whole, the whole premise of it, huh? And pacing yourself. And pacing yourself, right? And so the gang, the gang beats Boggs is about, like, they, they said there's a cross country flight that Wade Boggs drank like 70 beers, supposedly. Uh, and uh, so the gang tries to do this. They try to ride a, a cross country flight uh, from Philadelphia to California, probably Los Angeles. Yeah, Los Angeles. And they're tr- all trying to drink uh, 70 beers, except Mac, who uh, lost the chugging contest, who had to be the sober one to uh make sure everyone had their beers and stuff. like that. And uh so because he's sober and he has nothing to do, he calls himself the commissioner. And it becomes this great big metaphor for baseball is like I- you ca- 30 beers. I can't sell 30 beers. And the number of beers starts to become a metaphor for home runs and stuff like that. And they talk about like betting on baseball and all this stuff. It's. Oh, it's such a great, wonderful metaphor, and you have to watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I know if you have never seen it, it's tough to choke down the first time because these people are so awful. But the Gang Beats Boggs is by far, far and away, my favorite Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode. So there's that. All right, I want to take one quick moment to mention uh, Coco's Confections. If you're in the Fredericksburg area and you are interested in getting a Always Sunny in Philadelphia style cake, or a cake shaped like a cat, <laughs> or, or anything, you could search on Facebook for Coco's Confections. And there you can get custom-made delicious cakes through our friend at the studio, Courtney Fulmer. And so you can go, go search for her on Facebook, and then you can contact her through there, and get yourself a nice cake. And so, yeah, do that, I would appreciate it. So let's go ahead and get to the news worth knowing. You case make it sound effects. All right. Ukraine Ukraine Ukraine's Zelensky addresses Congress invokes 9/11, Pearl Harbor and MLK as he pleads for pivotal aid. All right, Ukrainian President Vladimir Vladimir Zelensky, in an address to Congress, U.S. Congress Wednesday, pleaded with the United States to do more by implementing a no-fly zone, providing additional aircraft and air defense systems, and creating a new security alliance. Zelensky, speaking to U.S. lawmakers from Kyiv, where he has chosen to remain even as Russian forces move on the city, thanked President Biden for his personal involvement and sincere commitment to the defense of Ukraine and the United States for the aid it has provided. Quote, however, it is now true... It is true, in the darkest time for your country, for the, whole, for the whole Europe, I call on you to do more, Zelensky said. He also issued a direct message to President Biden. I'm addressing the President Biden, Zelensky said. You are the leader of your nation. I wish you to be the leader of the world. He added, being the leader of the world means to being the leader of peace. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, Americans, in your great history, you have, had, you have pages that would allow you to understand. Ukrainians understand us right now. Allow you to understand Ukrainians understand us right now. When we need you right now, he said, remember Pearl Harbor, terrible morning of December 7, 1941, when your sky was black from the planes attacking you. Just remember it. Zelensky went on to invoke September 11, 2001, calling it a terrible day when independent territories were turned into battlefields, when, in, uh, when innocent people were attacked attacked from the air. Yes, just like no one else expected, you could not stop it. Our country experienced the same every day, Zelensky said. Right now, at this moment, every night for three weeks now, various Ukrainian cities, Odessa and uh, Kakatuani, Kakutani, Kakuta, Kakutani, sorry, have been so many predominantly of Mariupol. Zelensky said Russia has turned the Ukrainian sky into a source of death for thousands of people, saying there are missiles and countless bombs. They use drones to kill us with precision, he said. This is a terror that Europe has not seen for 80 years, and we're asking for a reply, for an answer from this terror from the whole world. I want to find the part where he mentioned MLK. Hold on. Because the translation is awful. Okay, uh, let's see. Anyway, I'll skip it. So he he evokes all this stuff, this imagery uh, from American history. Trying to say is like, we, you yeah, know, be a leader in peace by starting a war with Russia. All right. So here's my take on it, Vladimir Zelensky. Pass. Pass. You know, it's obvious. It's obvious you're trying to tug on our heartstrings by calling upon these things as far back as, you know, 70 years ago. All right. December 7th, 1941. Uh, you know, that, the skies were darkened on, in Hawaii, not all over the United States. All right. And yes, it led us into the Second World War, but we were we, the United States, was attacked. All right. It's the same thing on September 11th. We were attacked. All right. And, I, you know, I hate to be mean about it, but, you know, President Biden isn't all there and I don't trust him to run a war as commander in chief. I do not trust him as an American citizen to run a war. All right. Especially with a nuclear power. In fact, you should think about that because, you know, you let go of your nukes. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done that. And so, you know, when you, when you, when you invoke, invoke all this imagery from U.S. history, you know, it just, it, it comes off as pandering. It comes off as insincere and you're just trying to play us. You know, and that kind of pisses me off. You know, I know it's wrong. I know Russia's doing the wrong thing. I get that, you know, but, you know, and I don't trust the help that you have received from the U.S. so far is enough for Russia to get pissed at the U.S. and want to start war with us. All right? And we'll get into it later about how Russia does want a war with the U.S. They think it'd be good for their, their economy and their Russian, you know, empire or whatever. And so when you do that, it just, it's, it, it's so, ugh, ugh, so no, thank you. That's a hard pass. I don't want to do it, but then again, it's not up to me. Anyway, let's go on to this idiot. Um, excuse me, this vice president. All right, uh, now deleted. Kamala Harris tweet claimed U.S. is supporting Ukraine in defense of the NATO alliance. What a moron! Just proves you know when you sleep way out of the top, you eventually get in over your head real quick. Anyway, a social media account for Vice President Kamala Harris stated Tuesday in a now-deleted tweet that the United States is supporting Ukraine in defense of a NATO alliance, quote-unquote, which the Ukraine is not a part of. Yeah, Ukraine's not NATO. Quote, when I was in Poland, I met with U.S. and Polish service members, thanking them for standing with our NATO allies for freedom, peace, and security. A tweet from Kamala Harris, at Kamala Harris account stated, the United States stands firmly with Ukrainian people in defense of the NATO alliance. Moron. The remarks... Here's the thing. Do you think Kamala Harris really runs her Twitter account? There could have been a smarter person around her that, you know, they're not NATO, right? Anyway, the remarks made in the tweet, which featured a uh, a photo of Harris greeting American and Polish service members, comes on the heels of similar statements she made while addressing House Democrats over the weekend at the Democratic National Committee's DNC winter meeting in D.C. Quote, Russia's invasion threatens not just Ukrainian democracy, it threatens democracy and security across Europe, Harris said. So I will say that, whoa, (laughs) this is hard to read. So I will say what I know we all say, I will say over and over again. Wow. How many times can you use say to say nothing? I will say what I know we all say, and I will say over and over again. The United States stands firmly with the Ukrainian people in defense of the NATO alliance. What a moron! Those remarks prompted the White House to alter the transcript from the event, (laughs) adding, and to make it appear, and uh, adding and to make it appear like she said the United States supports Ukraine and defends surrounding NATO countries. According to see, that's that's what they do. That's what the liberal media does. They'll edit it on behalf of people like Biden and, and Harris. When it's Trump or something like that, or someone on the right, they'll quote it directly. See, you can't speak right. According to a spokesperson from uh, Harris's office, the account that issued the tweet was controlled by the DNC. And no one there knew that they weren't NATO. Anyway, the and was omitted by accident, and we took it down and reposted it with the correct remarks. The DNC said in an email statement to Fox News. (laughs) Yeah, I believe that. Anyway, a new version of the tweet posted Tuesday now reads, When I was in Poland, I met with U.S. and Polish service members, thanking them for standing with our NATO allies for freedom, peace, and security. The United States stands firmly with Ukrainian people in defense and in defense of the NATO allies. And in defense of the NATO allies. Uh, talking about NATO for a bit and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, yeah, what a moron. You know she only got in office because she banged some mayor or something like that, right? She is remarkably unqualified. She's more unqualified than Anna Ferris. Anyway, let's go on this next story. Uh, Russian lawmaker demands return of Alaska, California for and reparations amid U.S.-led sanctions. Uh, just a knee-jerk reaction. Blow it out your ass, Russia. <laughs> All right. A Russian lawmaker made an outlandish demand over the weekend that the United States return, Russia, uh, return Alaska and, histor- and a historic— settlement in California, in addition to paying reparations to Russia over crippling America-led sanctions that have led Moscow's economy into a tailspin. Oleg Oh, boy. Matvechev Sorry. I do want to pay respect to your name, but jeez, those Russian names are so hard. A member of the state Duma outlined on Russian state television a set of demands for the U.S. and, uh, for US and Ukraine after Kyiv's Demilitarization is completed, the Express newspaper in the United Kingdom reported. The demands include the return of Alaska, which the U.S. purchased from the Russian Empire in 1867 as part of the Alaska Purchase, and the former Russian uh, settlement for Fort Ross, California, 90 miles north of San Francisco. Quote, we should be thinking about reparations for the damage that was caused by the sanctions of the war and the war itself, because that uh, that too cost money and we should get it back. He said during a Sunday interview. He also called for the return of all Russian properties, those of the Russian Empire, the Soviet Union, and current Russia, which has been seized in the United States, and so on. You've been on, like through like three governments since then. <laughs> the hell with you. Anyway, afterwards he asked if he meant, uh, asked if he meant uh, Alaska and Fort Ross. That was my next point, as well as the Antarctic. He said we discovered it, so it belongs to us. <laughs> Uh, that was three. That was three governments ago. Russian idiots. The sale of Alaska marked the end of the Russian Empire's trade expansion and sell, uh, settlement efforts in the Pacific coast of the U.S. According to the U.S. State Department, the territory was sold to the U.S. government for 7.2 million dollars. Opponents of the sale labeled it Seward's folly, referring to the then Secretary of State William H. Seward, who was proponent of the American expansion. A label failed to stick after 1896, when hundreds of thousands of people migrated to the territory in search of gold. The Russian colony was established, Fort Ross, on California Sonoma coast in 1812. After several years of struggling to grow crops and tensions with Americans in the area, the property was sold in 1841 and became clear the area was a financial liability, according to the Fort Ross Conservancy. The demands made are likely to be ignored as the U.S. ratchets up sanctions on Moscow over its invasion of Ukraine. On Monday, the State Department announced fresh sanctions on President Alexander Lukashenko, the Kremlin's ally in Belarus. And 11 other Russian officials. (laughs) So, yeah, blow it out your ass, Russia. You sold it to us fair and square. What'd you do with that money? Did you give it to the people? Or did you put it in the pockets of people like Putin? Ooh, that was a nice alliteration. You put it in the pockets of people like Putin. All right, let's go on to this next story. Oh, it'll be a short one today. Hell with it. Uh, As war rages in Ukraine, Americans in Wyoming say climate and conservation top election issues. So this is from Jackson, Wyoming. Uh, They told Fox News Digital that protecting the environment and the economy is top, top on their list when it comes to voting priorities despite Russia's war with Ukraine dominating the headlines. Quote, I think my priorities are about the environment, one man said. We got to, excuse me, we got to do more to protect the environment. I see that climate change is real, and I think I'm worried about my children and my grandchildren and future generations, he said. The man said the war in Ukraine was unnecessary and that people have the right to be free. Omar from Boise, Idaho, said the war was crazy and sad. He told Fox News he was very environmentally oriented. Conservation-minded and economy probably as well, said Omar. David of Jackson's Hole, Wyoming, said freedom was his biggest concern. Whether you like a Republican or a Democrat or independent, you get to vote for what you want. You get to vote for what you want. Randy of Kansas City, Missouri said, help our economy, bring back resources to the U.S. and supply our own oil and gas. It's a priority right now. Ashley from Boise, Idaho uh, said the economy was a top priority for doing the right thing when it comes to other countries and being self-sufficient, thinking out for ourselves, just thinking out for ourselves first a little bit the hell does that even mean which proves my point fuck wyoming i'm kidding they're, they're americans <laughs> but but you know fuck wyoming i mean, I mean they have the right to the, yeah i mean they, they they have the right to their opinions but i mean if you if if the environment is your priority right now you're out of your mind you're out of your mind Conservation should be something in our minds when we're dealing with things like that. But when it comes to energy, if you saw my rant last week about the energy crisis, you know, sorry, you know, there's more important things right now than uh, the environment. The environment will be fine. The earth will be here long after humans stop deciding they want to have sex, which would be a long time. All right. So as always, fuck Wyoming. You know what the capital of Wyoming is? Denver, you know, what the, uh, you know what the Wyoming baseball team is? The Colorado Rockies. Anyway, are we getting into last, these are the last few stories, something to lighten the mood before we get out of here. <clears throat> uh, teachers union reader, leaders ripped for elementary mistake on Ukraine flag. This is kind of hilarious. Two, che- two, teacher, two teachers union leaders posted a photo on Twitter expressing their solidarity with Ukrainian people amid Russia's invasion, but they made an elementary mistake. And some critics say the social media post serves as an advertisement for school choice. <laughs> quote, <coughs> excuse me, uh, quote, AFT President Randy Weingarten and AFT Executive Vice President Evelyn DeJesus uh, stand with hashtag Ukraine. The American Federation of Teachers Twitter account posted on Tuesday. The, the tweet included a photo of Weingarten and De Jesus holding a poster supporting Ukraine. The education leaders had only one minor problem: the Ukraine flag on their poster was upside down. <laughs> Ukraine's flag features blue on top of yellow, symbolizing a blue sky over a bountiful field. Uh, critics savaged the teacher unions' uh, uh, union leaders on Twitter. Uh, Corey DeAngelis, national director of research at School Choice Now, called the tweet "free advertising of school choice." <laughs> "Quote: They did that to, they did." They did to that flag what they did to the education in the past two years. They pretend to care, but really they just made it upside down. <laughs> Reopened California schools, tweeted. And, you know, it's also a sign of distress when you fly a flag upside down. It's like that country's in distress, so maybe that's what they're thinking. I don't know. Quote, that's the flag of Ukraine, Ukraine, all right, upside down. California State Senator Melissa Menendez tweeted. Shout out to the Teachers Union for this promotional piece on the importance of school choice. <laughs> Uh, teachers unions have faced heavy criticism uh, after many of them supporting the closure of schools during the COVID-19 pandemic and push back against reopening. Teachers have also raised concerns about socially liberal activism in the classroom and in teacher trainings regarding such issues as critical race theory and transgender identity. Senator Ted Cruz from Texas pointed out that they actually printed this sign with the flag upside down. The poster reads, we stand with Ukraine, AFL-CIO. The AFL-CIO posted a photo of its leaders with multiple such signs, all with the flag upside down. So I wonder if they are trying to do it that way. They appeared to recognize their mistake, later tweeting the same image and message, but the flags digitally altered to appear right side up. They paid somebody to Photoshop it! Oh my god. (laughs) They got the two pictures here. Go look that up. That's kind of hilarious. Oh my god. These are teachers. These are teachers. That's where your tax dollars are going. Oh, my God. All right. I know I talk trash about a lot of animals, but I have a real soft spot in my heart for dogs. So last story here is about a shelter dog turned into a canine hero inspires a Netflix movie. There's a canine dog in Rhode Island that has such a remarkable storied past. She's inspired a Netflix movie. Ruby, an Australian Shepherd and Border Collie mix, was adopted by Corporal Daniel O'Neill in 2011 when he was in need of a search and rescue dog for work, according to the Associated Press. At the time, the rambunctious eight-month old old pup had been adopted and returned returned to the Rhode Island Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animal Shelter by five families before she found a place with O'Neill. Shelter volunteer and dog trainer Patricia Inman recalls Ruby as full of energy and needed an advocate to reassure staff that euthanasia was not the right choice. Ruby was a total knucklehead, Inman told the Associated Press. And she works at the SPCA? Anyway. <laughs> She's a total knucklehead. She jumped and bit her leash. She wouldn't sit or lie down. She just never stopped moving. She was special. She needed a special person. Okay. Yeah, that definitely sounds like somebody at the SPCA. ASPCA. Um. O'Neill, 41, enrolled Ruby into a canine training course where she reportedly graduated top of her class. Uh, He recalls that their young pooch seemed to be determined and focused instead of the boisterous and troublesome reports he had heard. Ruby went on to become a canine dog for the Rhode Island State Police, where she assisted in several search and rescue missions. In October 2017, Neil and Ruby found a teenage boy who had fallen into a ravine and remained unconscious. They later found out that the young boy was Inman's son, who had been missing for 36 hours following his, his in- accident. Uh, quote, I was beside myself and overwhelmed, Inman told the Associated Press when recalling that fateful day. Quote, so many things had fallen in place for this to happen the way it did, she said. The universe works in mysterious ways. Ruby's story and extraordinary recovery skills made national news and captured hearts of Americans. The talented canine was honored at the 2018 Hero Dogs Award Ceremony hosted by the American Humane, where she won in the Search and Rescue Dog of the Year category. Four years later, Ru- Ruby's story is being highlighted in an upcoming Netflix film, Netflix film, which is titled Rescued by Ruby. The film is based upon two biological short, biographical short stories about Ruby's life, Ruby, a Dog Wink Story, and Dog Wink Ruby, as told by American author S- S.Q.I.R. Rushnell and comedian Louise Duarte. The world needs movies that make us feel good, said Rushnell, who's also an executive producer on the film. Quote, the real life journey of Trooper Dan and the shelter dog named Ruby demonstrates how uh, believing in our dreams can open doors and, uh, of opportunity and divine direction that we couldn't pos- imagine possible, Rushnell told Fox News Digital. Rescued by Ruby, it's a story of hope for everyone. The movie is set to start streaming on March 17th, that's tomorrow. O'Neill told the Associated Press that he thinks Ruby's accomplishment accomplishment is the true underdog story. Quote, it's like divine intervention. She was given a chance and she's been doing everything she can to pay back, Corporal said. Uh, you have this dog that was given up on and she's changed so many people's lives. You know what? Um, here's the thing, though. You need a firm hand to chain, train a dog. All right. And if this dog was like rambunctious, too rambunctious for five families before you needed a cop to train, A canine dog you know it just proves that you know at at some point you know there's a bunch of people out there that don't know how to train dogs you need to be firm with a dog to train it and sometimes that means you know smacking it on the nose with a newspaper or something like that all right you still love that dog but you know you don't want them like jumping on, you know biting through their leash or jumping around or jumping up on people scaring people you got to train a dog and if you're training a dog you need a firm hand and it's nothing like a cop to turn a dog around, a troubled dog around. So it's a good heartwarming story. It's like, I was, uh, it's like, uh, what's, what's that? Uh, I can't remember the name of the movie I'm thinking of. Anyway, uh, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. Anyway, so we're, we're at the end of our show now. And I want to remind you to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. I would appreciate it very much. I also have a cash app. Cash shock monkey radio. You can send me money that way. You can drop me a line at madman at FXBGPR.com. You want to send me an email and I'll feature you in a mailbag segment or something like that. Um, I don't know. I haven't checked it in a couple weeks. So if you have, and you're just like, why did you answer me? And, <laughs> sorry, I'll get to it. I promise. And so I also have uh, books available on Amazon search for the author Scott L Robbins with two T's and two B's. Uh, that's, uh, I have the three exit 13 books. I have the Ravings of a Madman book, and I have The Bunny Years, a memoir, all available for digital download on Amazon. Author's name is Scott L. Robbins, S-C-O-T-T-L-R-O-B-B-I-N-S, on Amazon.com. I would appreciate that very much. And this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the Madman, and I love you.